As I was thinking about tonight, you know, I tend to have some, I don't know if that's the right word, tendencies, I guess, uh, or, or patterns that I, that I follow when I, when I tend to teach or preach. I actually teach is, is what I do. I'm not much of a preacher. I teach. It's just what I do. But tonight, I, I wanted to just kind of go back into the teaching mode tonight. And, and one of the things I want to talk about is spiritual authority. How many have ever wondered, what does it mean to have spiritual authority? Am I the only one? Okay. All right. Just checking. Because we may just go home if you all know the answer. What does it mean to have spiritual authority? As most of you know, I was a police officer for 10 years with the Fort Worth Police Department. And as a Fort Worth police officer, I had authority. Part of that authority gave me the authority to literally take people's freedoms away. When I arrested somebody, I took away their liberty. Put them in handcuffs, put them in the back of the car, and put them in jail. Then they would go see Tyler. Because, you know, he's the kind of guy that gets paid to judge people. It's awesome. But I had that authority. Today, I am not a police officer. I don't have that authority. I can't just go put somebody in handcuffs and take away their rights because that authority that I had as a police officer, I no longer have. The reason I don't have it because it wasn't mine in the first place. It was given to me. I, I operated what was called under authority. The authority I exercised was not mine. It was given to me by the Fort Worth Police Department. But even that authority was not the Fort Worth Police Department's authority to give. It was given to them by the state of Texas. And where did they get it? They got it from the federal government. And where do they get it? They get it from the Constitution. So you see, there's a pattern here. There's a process. There's, there's an umbrella sort of covering everything that has authority. And that's actually very biblical. Because authority, when it comes to having authority, especially in the spiritual realm, we have to realize it's not our authority. Just like as a police officer, I, I didn't have my own authority to do that. It was given to me, but it was given to me with boundaries and responsibilities. And I had to operate within those boundaries and to, to follow those responsibilities. It also came with oversight. And we're going to talk about all those things tonight and how that relates to our spiritual authority. And it's really important to understand that because the kingdom of God is an authority structure. That's what it is. It's an authority structure. We don't necessarily think of it that way. But one of the things I learned as a police officer is under, the understanding of what authority is and how authority works. And when I got back into church many, many years ago and started learning again the things of the kingdom, that's when it, I mean, it's just, it connected to me the understanding of the authority structure in the kingdom was not very different than the authority structure in the police department. And how my authority as a police officer really isn't that much different than my authority as a believer. But we have to understand that because if we don't understand how authority works, if we don't understand how to exercise authority and where our authority comes from, we're in big trouble. Because in the spiritual realm, power doesn't mean anything. Authority means everything. 
It's all about authority. In Matthew 28, Jesus didn't say, all power is given unto me. He said, all authority is given unto me. Why did he say authority? Because authority always trumps power. Perfect example, and you, you may have heard this, this illustration before. In a football game, there are actually three teams on the field. There's the offense, and there's the defense, but there's another team on the field. Now, the offense and defense work through power. One tries to overpower the other to either score a touchdown or to prevent a touchdown. And these two teams are very powerful. If you've ever met a professional football player, they're like, ten feet, they're like Goliath, 10 feet tall, you know, 3 million pounds of all pure muscle. Man, they can just pound you into the ground. And that's what they do. They try and pound each other into the ground for you know, 60 minutes to score a touchdown. But there's another team on the field. They don't wear uniforms of the playing teams. They wear black and white stripes. They're the referees. They don't play for the offense. They don't play for the defense. They actually play for the NFL. They don't have power. Have you, have you ever seen some of these referees stand next to some of these football players? I mean, they could just pick them up and toss them. You know, there's your touchdown right there. Through the goalpost. They could pound them into the ground, but they don't. In fact, these, these refs have so much authority, they can tell an entire line of 11 guys to back up 10 yards. And what do these guys do? They back up 10 yards. Why? Because the ref has authority, and authority always trumps power. And it's the same thing in the spiritual realm. It's not about power. It's about authority. And if we don't understand the authority we have in the spiritual realm... The enemy can then use his power against us. And we're, and we're toast. Because we don't have power over the enemy. Jesus has authority over all things. But we, in and of ourselves, don't have power over the enemy. So where does our authority come from? And how does this work? See, most people have a fundamental misunderstanding of the kingdom and how the kingdom of God works. The entire spiritual realm is an authority structure, both good and bad. On the good side, God and his angels and all that is an authority structure, and the enemy has an authority structure. And we see this demonstrated throughout Scripture. Dan Daniel chapter 10, which pastor is going to start a series on Daniel. But in Daniel chapter 10, we see the angel telling Daniel, the second you prayed, God dispatched me to give you the answer, but it took me three weeks to get here because I was blocked by the prince of Persia, a, an evil authority demon who had power to hinder this particular angel. And he said, well, I was stuck for three weeks fighting him until Michael, one of the archangels, which indicates an authority structure. Michael obviously had more power than this guy, this particular angel, came in and he took over and I was released to go. So you see, there's an authority structure on both the good and the bad. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6 that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of wickedness in the heavenly realm. Again, it's an indication or an allusion towards an authority structure. And again, I, I already referenced Matthew 28. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me on, in heaven 
and on earth. It's important to understand he said authority because authority always trumps power. So what about us? Well, first of all, we need to understand something, again, about the spiritual realm. A few uh, weeks ago, whenever it was that I was here, talking about the aspect of spiritual versus natural. I want to put it in a little different light here. On top of this line is the spiritual realm. Below it is the natural realm. And remember, everything goes from spiritual to natural. The spiritual realm has a higher authority than the natural realm. And you see this in Genesis chapter 1. God said, let there be light. God said, let there be vegetation. God said, let there be fish. And all these, he spoke from the spiritual and it became a reality in the natural. So everything goes from spiritual to natural. So the spiritual realm has a greater authority than the natural realm because whatever occurs here ends up manifesting here. And like I said before, the last time I was up here, I said, if you have a problem in the natural, the real problem is in the spiritual. You cannot fix what's wrong in your life here. You have to go here. Because here's the root, this is the fruit. So if you've got, like for me, for, for 12 and a half years as a Christian, I dealt with pornography. That was a natural manifestation of a spiritual problem. And as long as I tried to fix it here, it wasn't going anywhere. And I tried to fix it for 12 and a half years, and it didn't go nowhere. It wasn't until I started operating here that this all of a sudden was taken care of. It's really important to understand, and I'm going to come back to that aspect as far as my own personal testimony on how the spiritual authority overcame the natural problem. But it's really, this is, we have to start here. Everything is spiritual. Now, God, when he created earth and man, in Genesis 1, he specifically gave man dominion over the earth. Now, that's not just a nice little word. That is actually a legal term. It was a legal transaction. God gave dominion or authority to man over the earth. It's really important to understand that. In, in Psalm 138, no, I'm sorry, Psalm 115, it says, the heavens is for God, but he put us in charge of the earth. Man has dominion over the earth. And when God created Adam and Eve, he gave them dominion. He gave them authority over, over the works of his hand. And God's intention was to work through man to, to delegate his authority to man in order to run the earth. That was his original plan. Of course, <laughs> it went south really quick. And what happened was when man sinned, he ended up abdicating that authority to the enemy. See, it wasn't just a matter of sinning. It was a matter of giving up authority. And we see this in Matthew chapter 4 when, when Jesus encounters the enemy. Here's what the enemy says. Actually, this is in Luke. It has a better uh, explanation of it. The devil, talking to Jesus up, or taking Jesus up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to, this, said to him, all this authority I will give you 
and their glory, meaning the, the kingdoms of the earth, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom, whomever I wish. Luke chapter 4. The devil told Jesus, I've got authority over all the kingdoms of the world. If you want them, I'll give them to you. All you've got to do is bow down to me. You know, it's minor detail. But Jesus never rebuked the devil and said, no, you can't do that. You don't have that authority. He had that authority. Why? Because Adam and Eve sinned. And when they sinned, they abdicated their authority to the enemy. And this is why Jesus came, one of the reasons why Jesus came as a man. Because God always honors his word. He will never violate his word, even if it makes it difficult. God gave authority to man on the earth. God's not going to yank it back. What he did is he put a man on earth that he could trust in his son, Jesus Christ. And by doing that, what he did was he reestablished the ability of man to take back the authority that God originally wanted him to have through Jesus. Because Jesus defeated the works of the enemy. He defeated death, hell, and the grave, and he took back all that authority. All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. So Jesus took all that back when he defeated the enemy. So if you want to graphically illustrate that, Again, we have the spiritual and the natural. Now, here's Adam and Eve in the beginning. And they're just having a blast. But here's the thing. They can operate in both worlds because God gave them authority. And there was nothing hindering them to see and understand in the spiritual and the natural because sin hadn't come into the world yet. The thing that blinds us to the spiritual is sin. That's what blinds us. But they weren't blind yet. But when they sinned, here's what happened. It put a block between them and the spiritual world, and it dropped them They're not so happy anymore. And they become blind spiritually. And that's where we are. When we're born, we are blind spiritually. We cannot see and understand the spiritual things of, of the world because of sin, that sin core that's in us, that natural, the, the, um, the, that natural core of sin, the, the inherited sin that we have from Adam and Eve. But what happened was, Jesus. Jesus comes into the picture and he gives man an opportunity to be redeemed. He gives man an opportunity to have his eyes open, just like Paul on the road after, after his encounter on the road and he, he has Ananias pray for him, the scales fall from his eyes. Well, when we encounter Jesus, he then opens our eyes but not in the same way that Adam and Eve's eyes were opened. We can now see spiritually through Jesus with the eyes of faith. But it is through Jesus. Why is it through Jesus? Because we still live 
And we still have sin in our soul. That sin core is taken out. The penalty of sin is taken away, but the presence of sin is still here. Everything we do has to go through Jesus. It is not our authority. It is his we exercise. And it's through faith. Now, in the end, when God restores all things, this is where we'll be again. Our eyes will be fully opened, as Paul says. You know, right now we look as if in a, in a mirror dimly lit, but then we will know fully as we are fully known. But right now, we have to trust Jesus. Not just for salvation, but for eyes to see through faith. This is why it is so important to be in the Word of God every single day. Because we, in and of ourselves, do not have the ability to understand things of the Spirit. And why is it so important to understand things of the Spirit? Because that's where the root of everything is. If we don't understand what's going on in the spiritual realm, we cannot understand what's going on in the natural realm. It's impossible. We have to look through the eyes of Jesus, through faith, into the spiritual world. And that's what this does. It opens up our eyes to see. We have to be in this every single day. It is a total dependency on Jesus. We can't, one, we can't just go, oh, well, yeah, I accepted Jesus, so now I know it all, and I can just do whatever I want. No. We are just as blind as we were before without him if we choose not to see through him with faith. It's impossible. Because it's not our authority. It's not our eyes we're seeing through. It's his. It, it's so important to understand this. Because the authority that we need in the spiritual realm does not come from us and it does not reside with us. It resides with Jesus. It is his authority that we get to exercise. And the th great thing about his authority is all authority has been given to him. Even the enemy himself has to bow before Jesus. There is no person or, or created being that has any authority greater than Jesus. And on that day of days, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. But today, we have to work through him and allow him to work through us. We cannot do this on our own. That was one of the mistakes I made when I was dealing with my pornography. I was trying to do it on my own, by myself. I was trying to exercise my authority. <laughs> and I found out pretty quick, I got zip. I have no authority whatsoever. And the enemy knew it. And as long as he... He, he tricked me into trying to use my own authority. He knew he had me, to I was toast. He knew he had me bound and there was nothing I could do. But the second I began to understand this and started to operate through the power of Jesus and the authority of Jesus, man, it just, whoop, it just took off. And as long as I stay under his authority, it ain't coming back. So I don't know what you're dealing with today. I don't know what's going on in your life. But I'm telling you right now, Jesus has more authority than any enemy you are facing today. He has more authority than any problem you are facing today if you will allow him to exercise that authority in and through you. 
you got to quit doing it on your own. Because as long as you do it on your own, it ain't going nowhere. It ain't gonna, it's just not going to happen. Now, Jesus has all this authority, and he administers this authority through the church. Why do you need to go to church? Why do you need to be part of a church? Because the church is the only entity on earth that has the authority to exercise Jesus' authority. It's the only entity on earth. This is why our hope in this country does not lie at the doorstep of the White House. It lies at the doorstep of the church house. That's the only entity in this country that can affect the spiritual realm. And our true problem is not here. It is here. If we don't fix this, we won't see a fix in this. That's the problem in this country. It's not a physical one. It's a spiritual one. And until the church figures out that our hope is not in a political deliverer, but in our spiritual deliverer, nothing's going to change. I'm not saying we shouldn't vote. I'm not saying we shouldn't be responsible citizens. But what I am saying is we better not put our hope in who's going into the White House next, next year. I don't care who it is. It doesn't matter. Because they don't have the power to deliver this country. Only Jesus has that authority. And you know where the authority comes from for the, for the president anyways? He comes from Jesus. Romans 1, I'm sorry, Romans 13, verse 1 says, All authority comes from God. There is nobody in authority in this country or in this world that is there without God allowing it. The only way the president of this country has authority is because God has allowed it. The only way the president of the EU has authority is because God has allowed it. The only way your boss has authority in your life is because God has allowed it. Believe it or not, your boss is there by God. His authority or her authority, it doesn't matter who it is, is given by God. All authority is delegated by God. It's really important to understand that. And we see throughout Scripture, especially the New Testament, how God and how Jesus begins to manifest his authority through the church. Now, he begins by telling Peter in, in Matthew 16, when Peter confesses Jesus as the Christ, he says, you know, you know he just marvels. His flesh and blood has not revealed that to you. But he goes on to say that upon this rock, the rock of the confession that, that Peter made, I will build my church. Jesus is the one who builds the church. I don't care what programs we have. I don't care what programs any other church has. The only, the only person that builds the church is Jesus. I don't have that authority. Pastor doesn't have that authority. Only Jesus has that authority. And Jesus will build the church, and he has built it for the last 2,000 years. No matter who tried to stop the church, we're still here. We're still here. They can't get rid of us. Jesus will build his church. Now, he goes on to say, I give you the keys to the kingdom. Now, he's talking to Peter. Now, it's really interesting to, to understand what this means. He gives 
Peter the keys to the kingdom. And in Acts chapter 2, Peter opens the door to the kingdom to the Jews. On the day of Pentecost, Peter gets up and he preaches the kingdom for the very first time. And he opens the door to the Jewish nation. Now, just like Jesus' death and resurrection was a one-time deal for all people, when Peter opened that door to the Jews, it was a one-time deal. Now everybody who was a Jew, the kingdom door is open to them. In Acts chapter 10, he then later opens the door to the Gentiles when he goes to Cornelius' house. And now the kingdom's open to everybody. But it, is, it no longer requires Peter to open the door because now it's permanently open. And all believers can now invite others in. So he gives Peter the keys and he opens the kingdom. But what was Peter was part of the 12, the foundation upon which he built the entire church because the apostles then went out and built the church. And as he goes on, we see in Acts chapter 13, when Paul and Barnabas are sent out, where, what are, who are they sent out from? They're sent out from the church. God sends them out from the church. They're all together. They're praying. And the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas for, the, for the work I have sent them for. And he sends them out from the church. When the question of circumcision comes up for the Judaizers, should the Gentiles be circumcised or not? What happens? They have the Jerusalem Council. The church comes together to make that decision under the power of the Holy Spirit. And James stands up and he says, look, it seems good to us and the Holy Spirit that we don't need to have the Gentiles circumcised. God administered the answer through the church. It's so important to understand this. See, back in those days, the church and the aspect of community was really a, a natural thought process. In the Eastern mindset, there's no individualized thinking. That's a Western thing. Thinking of ourselves as individuals is, is a Western mindset that's only been around for a few hundred years. In the East, they don't think of that. They think of themselves in community. They're part of a family. They're part of a community. And when the church was birthed, it was birthed into that mindset. So in the West, to think of yourself as an individual and a separate from the church is just foreign to the Bible. See, in America, we just think of ourselves as a bunch of individuals, and we all just happen to show up on Sunday at the same time. It's not biblical. Yes, we, you know, sometimes we say, you are the church. Well, that is true in the sense of you being plural. It's not you singular. It does not mean I can go out this door and go, I'm the church and I can do whatever I want. Mm, sorry, it doesn't work that way. It means we, the body of Christ, are the church. You see that throughout Scripture, especially in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when Paul talks about God knitting the body together with its different parts, and every part provides for the other part, and all the parts come together for the bigger whole. An individual person is not the church. We are a part of the church, but we can't be an individual part that just goes off on our own. 
This is why it's so important to be part of the church, because God administers his authority through the church. Just like me as a police officer, I cannot be a police officer on my own. I can't go down to, to some police supply tomorrow and buy a blue shirt and blue pants and put on a gun belt and slap on my own badge and go, I'm a cop. Because somebody else is going to come behind me and go, no, I'm a cop and you're under arrest. I can't do that. Because the authority that I want to exercise as a police officer doesn't come from me. It comes from the entity of the Fort Worth Police Department, which comes from the state of Texas, which comes from the federal government, which comes from the Constitution of the United States. It's not mine. And it's the same thing for a believer. I cannot go out of here and go exercise spiritual authority on my own because it's not mine. And if I try and do that, I'm going to be toast, which is what I was for 12 and a half years. Let me illustrate this point. It's so important to understand this because there's so many people, so many Christians in this country today that are running around wondering why their lives are a mess. And it's because they're trying to operate on their own. All right, here's the, here's the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The interesting thing about the Godhead is there's an authority structure in the Godhead. Unfortunately, in the Western mindset, when we think of an authority structure of different roles, we think that your role is your identity, and it also gives you your worth, and that is just not the truth. In the Godhead, there are three. There's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are one. They are all equal, but they have different roles. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father has authority over the Son, who has authority over the Holy Spirit, but that does not make them less than the other. When Jesus was on earth, he said, I have not come to do my will. I've come to do the one who sent me. Who sent him? The Father sent him. Well, who had authority to send him in the first place? The Father did. And then Jesus said, I'm sending you one who will not speak of his own, but he'll speak what I tell him to speak to you. Who's that? Well, that's the Holy Spirit. The Father, Son. But they're one. They're equal. Their roles may be different, but their worth is the same. And see, this is what happens in our Western mindset. We think, if I have a boss, and I'm under that boss, my boss is better than I am they have more authority and I, I just work for them. It's not even close to the truth. And just because in the church you may have a different role than somebody else doesn't mean you're less worthy than they are. Your worth has nothing to do with your role. It has everything to do with the gospel. Amen. Your worth is in Jesus, not in what you do. You know, we have th this praise team, and we've got some folks on the back row. Just because they're on the back row, does that mean they're not as worthy as the people who are in the front row? No. It has nothing to do with worth. Oh, they just have a different role. The guys in the sound booth, are they, are they not as good as the people who are on, on the platform? No. They just have a different role. 
It's a Western mindset and a lie of the enemy that tells us what we do is who we are and what we're worth. It's so unbiblical. Your worth is in the gospel. Who you are is who you've become in Jesus. And until we get a hold of that, we're going to resist authority. And the thing about resisting authority is that's called rebellion. And when we rebel against the authority we've been placed under, we are rebelling against God. Because God has the ultimate authority, and because God has given dominion to men on the earth, he administers his authority through man. And if we rebel against men, we are rebelling against God. Now, that's not to say that if somebody tells me to do something that's unbiblical, I've got to simply submit to that. No. But if somebody tells me to do something that's not illegal, immoral, unethical, or unbiblical, and I go, I just don't want to do that, that's rebellion. It's rebellion against God. And it's not going to get, get us anywhere. So we have to understand that everything starts here. And here's the church. God administers his authority through the church. There's a really interesting verse in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. Ephesians 3, verse 10. Really interesting verse. It says, Paul says this. Now he's talking about the mystery of the gospel that God hid all those years until it was revealed in Jesus. Now it's no longer hidden. And then he goes on to say this in, in, chapter, in chapter 3, verse 10. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God, meaning the gospel, might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. The purpose of the church is to demonstrate and exercise the authority of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the spiritual realm. So we have principalities, powers, rulers, all the darkness. And it is the church's role to exercise the authority of the gospel there. And because they're in the spiritual realm, any hope of changing anything in the natural first has to occur in the spiritual. So if you want to change something in the natural, you've got to have authority in the spirit. Where does that authority come from? It comes from the church, which comes from the Godhead. This is the authority structure. I have no authority on my own. If I want to operate spiritual authority in my life, I have to do it as part of the church. And here's what happened in my life. For many, many years, I was out here. And I was not happy. Because I was trying to exercise an authority I did not have, and it went nowhere. And the principalities and powers were eating my lunch. Because on my own, I got nothing. As a police officer, 
If I went out and I did something that violated the general orders of the, of the police department and violated the laws, violated the boundaries that I was placed under, and somebody sued me, they were suing me. I was on my own, baby. I'm telling you, that police department would have cut ties with me in a heartbeat. I don't know who this guy is. In fact, we fired him. Go get him. Sick him. We don't want anything to do with him because what he did was wrong. But if I operated within those boundaries and I arrested somebody and they tried to sue me, I was then backed up by the full weight and authority of the Fort Worth Police Department. They weren't suing me. They were suing the Fort Worth Police Department. As a believer, if I'm operating on my own and the enemy comes after me, I'm toast because I've got nothing backing me up. But if I operate as part of the church, now I'm backed up by the full weight and authority of the kingdom of God, and they have no, they have no chance. They're toast. The second I got back into church, the second I got back not just into church, but back under the authority of the church, my life changed. My life radically changed. Now, a lot of you have heard some of the basics of my story. I'm just going to give you a brief synopsis to illustrate this very point because it's so important. In 2008, I was working as a former police officer. I was working at the police academy at the, at the time. I was one of the trainers, one of the coordinators down there. At the time, uh, I had been out of church for about three and a half, maybe four years. My wife and I had a really bad experience at a church. We said, whoop, we're done. So we were out for about three and a half, maybe four years. <clears throat> so in 2008, you all know Pastor Bob. He, there he is in the back corner. I knew Bob Denton for about 10 years at that point. He, he hadn't started coming here yet. He started coming here in about sometime in the spring of 2008. Turning Point moved in here in December of 2007. Pastor Bob started coming in 2008, early 2008, and then called me and said, hey, man, you got to come here and check out this church. I'm like, yeah, I'll get right on that. <laughs> no. So he kept calling, and he kept calling, and he kept, so I'm like, finally, in like October, I went, fine, I'll go. Now, back then, there were only maybe three, 350 people total that were going to Turning Point. One service and the back three sections were roped off. Don't sit back there. Because it was, the, you sit back there, everybody's back there, and there's nobody here. So when I first came in, I came in that door, walked over here, and sat in this section with Pastor Bob. Of course, he wasn't Pastor Bob at that time, but we just sat there, and I, I was able to make it through the service. I'm like, all right, I didn't die, I didn't burst into flames, all right. So I thought, all right, I'll come back. So I started to come back. And I'm like, all right, you know, okay. So I kept coming back. And I kept coming back for, I don't know, six to eight weeks. And then, man, here's, a, it was never my goal to be standing here on this, this platform. Never in a million years did I think, when I walked through that door going, you know, in about four or five years, I'm going to be on that platform. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. And never cross my mind. Here's what crossed my mind. How can I sneak in this back door, go to church, sneak back out, don't talk to me, I won't talk to you, we'll all be happy. You know how that worked for about eight weeks? It was awesome. Like, yes, anonymity. Until 
One day, there I was, minding my own business, trying to sneak out the back door again. Somebody went, hey, aren't you a cop? Oh, no, I'm not. Dang it, I can't lie in church. All right, yes, I'm a cop. So that led to, hey, would you work security here? Mm, no, but thanks for asking. And they kept on like, oh, okay, fine. So like in February, like three, four months later, I finally gave in and started working security. Now here's the thing. I just wanted to be Clark Kent. Nobody knew me. Nobody paid any attention to me. The second you put on this, the suit and the cape, man, everybody knows you. I walk in that door with the uniform on. Oh, hey, police, what's your name? Oh, it was over. Dang it. So I'm like, all right, well, maybe I can just, I'll just hold it at the, you know, I'll work security, we'll be fine. Time goes on, and Bob again, it's like, hey, why don't you come to this new members class? We didn't call it growth track back then. Why don't you come? I'm like, oh, okay, fine. So I go through the new members class, and people start talking to me. Of course, I'm in there in, in my uniform. I don't stick out or anything. And people start, and now they start getting to know me, and we're starting talking, and then, then Bob again says, hey, I'm going to go to this program uh, for the first time. Would you come with me? It's called Celebrate Recovery. We didn't have it here at that point. I'm like, oh, okay, fine. I'll go with you because I'm just there to help you. <laughs> I'm, there to, I'm just going to be a friend, and I'm going to go for you. So I go to this, it was over off Christ, it was at Christ Chapel. We go there, and the testimony that night, the guy said, that he had a, 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 an encounter and, and had an, a question that he always wanted to know the answer to answered by going through CR. And that question was on my mind, too. I'm like, oh, now i got to go through this. Dang it. <laughs> so I started to go through CR. Now, here's the thing. That began a process over the next several years that began opening doors to more opportunities. Because after I started going to CR, that's when the Lord really got into my nest and said, hey, brother, you're addicted to pornography. By the way, just want to let you know, I don't think you recognize this, but you are. And I finally admitted it and started getting into that program. The Lord started walking me out of that. And what I didn't realize was, as soon as I got back in the church, these guys had no chance. Their power over me started to be broken. I didn't realize what it was at the time. I do now. It was because I got under authority. And as I operated under authority, the Lord began to break the power of the enemy in my life. And as he broke the power of the enemy in my life, that began to free me up. And as I became free... I then became available for him to do more things through me. The door opened up for me to teach the growth track. Or the, we didn't call it that back then, but the new members class. And then I had the opportunity to work, to, to be over the harvest room. And then the big door that opened for the first time was in 2010, when Pastor Ray at that time was running a program called Hero Week. And he would do it. I don't remember the whole thing now. We haven't done it in a while. But anyways, one day was for military, one day was for EMS and firefighters, and another day was for police officers. And I think it was on a Wednesday, it was police officers. And they would do the, you know, for the kids and just, you know, here a week, that whole thing. Well, I get a call in 2010 from Pastor Ray, and he said, hey, look, my speaker for the police night of here a week backed out on me. Can you speak? I'm like, oh, okay. 
So I spoke that Wednesday night, and Pastor was here. That was, in, that was in August of 2010. In December of 2010, an elder called me and said, Hey, Pastor Jeff is sick. He really liked the way you spoke on that hero night. Would you mind filling in on a Wednesday night? Uh, what? <laughs> that was December. In February, I got another call like that. In March, Pastor asked me, Hey, would you do all the transition stuff, you know, the offering and all that, which I'm not doing anymore, if you noticed. And then that led into some other things. The, if you were here the first time we ever did video announcements, you know it was the Brendan Show. I was up there all the time. For you, those watching video announcements weren't here back then, you've been delivered. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Because <laughs> I was up there all the time. It just, whatever, it worked out that way. But it, the door, it just started snowballing. And then in 2011, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and the Lord said, you're done at the Florida Police Department. In September of 2011, I left. A year and a half later, in December of 2012, Pastor Jeff came to me and said, hey, I want you to be the associate pastor. And for the last three and a half years, that's what I've been doing. And now I'm about to move out of that role. Well, that's him. No, trust me. All I wanted to do was walk in and walk out. <laughs> Just leave me alone. You know, now I'm about to move into the role of the director of the school that we're about to start. Let me enter a shameless plug right now. We're starting a brand new Bible college and seminary. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. That's how I got to where I had no plan of my own other than to sneak in the back door and sneak out. But here's what happened is I got back underneath the authority of the church. Now, here's the thing about authority. Our authority as a believer is not our own, just like mine as a police officer. When I was a police officer, I always had a sergeant. The sergeant always had a lieutenant. The lieutenant always had a captain. The captain always had a deputy chief. The deputy chief, it all went all, all the way up the chain. There was always oversight, and there was always responsibility that came with authority. You cannot have authority without those two things. And here's the problem in the church today. Believers want authority, but they don't want oversight, and they don't want responsibility. It doesn't work that way. You cannot have one without the other two. It's impossible. God will not allow it. Because if you do not have oversight, and you're not responsible, you're going to go rogue. And people do it all the time. You cannot have authority without oversight and responsibility. This is why when, when Jesus encountered the centurion, he so marveled at his faith. Remember that story? The centurion comes and says, hey, one of my servants is sick. Would you come heal him? Jesus says, yeah, let's go to your house. I'll do it. He said, no, 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 I'm not worthy. You just say the word. And I know it will be healed because I am a man under authority. And I say to one of my subordinates, go and do this, and he does it. Go and do that, he'll do it. And Jesus stopped. He just marveled. He said, I haven't found this type of faith even in Israel. This is a Roman soldier. Why is he understand it and you people don't? What did he marvel at? He marveled at the understanding of authority. This guy understood that Jesus was a man under authority. 
And he wasn't exercising his own authority. He was exercising the Father's authority. And we, too, are under authority. Our authority comes from the church. If we're not willing to submit to the structure of the church, we cannot exercise spiritual authority. It's impossible. Because they don't have to submit to us. But they've got to submit to Jesus. Remember the seven sons of Siva that tried to cast out a demon? And they went, who are you? Jesus I know, and Paul I know. Why did he know Paul? Because Paul knew Jesus, and Paul was under the authority of the church. But the seven sons of Siva like, who are you people? They didn't submit to him. Why? Because they don't have any authority on their own. The enemy's not required to submit to me. Brendan Bagnell has no authority, but Jesus does. When I operate under his authority, under the authority structure I've been placed, which is under Pastor Jeff and the elders of this church, as long as I stay under their oversight and within the boundaries that are set for me, I know the enemy has no chance against me. But if I rebel, I'm on my own, baby. I'm on my own. And you know, the same thing goes about where you are at work. This is not a spiritual thing, and it doesn't work in the secular world. There's no such thing as secular in a, in a Christian's life. God uses your job to teach you how to exercise authority under oversight and with responsibility. So your boss is actually teaching you how to exercise authority, and God is watching. God is using that to train you. See, the enemy is going to make it all about your comfort. God makes it all about your character. And where you are, even if your boss is an absolute jerk, God knows it. And he puts you there, not for you to fix your boss, but for you to learn how to operate under authority. So if you rebel at work, you're rebelling against God because God puts your boss there. It's not about you. It's about him. It's about what he wants to do through you. Where you are now is not where you will be forever unless you remain in a rebellious state. Then he'll keep you there until you learn. But the second you learn, he now is ready to move you to where he wants you to go next. If I rebel as the associate pastor, I'm out the door, man. I'm out the door. We have to learn to submit. See, authority is not about your, me or Pastor Jeff or any of the elders dictating to you in your life. It's not that way. Authority is about submission. It's about you willingly submitting to those God places over you. That's how authority works. I am not going to come to you and, and try and control your life. That's not what it's about. It's not about control. It's about character. And in order to learn to operate under authority, you've got to be willing to submit. And you've got to be willing to get out of your comfort zone. Because God cannot grow your character in your comfort zone. It's impossible. So I guarantee you sometime really soon, <laughs> somebody who has authority in your life is going to push you beyond your comfort limit. If you're not willing to go there, 
you're saying to God, this is as far as I'm willing to go. That's really what you're saying. I'm going to stay right. I'm not, nope, I'm not going any further. But what God is trying to say to you is, look, if you will keep moving forward, there's so many things greater in your life that I want to release through you, but I can't do it right now because you don't have the character for it. But if you will allow God through other people to grow your character, your, your, your potential is unlimited. And here's the thing. Destiny is hanging on your character. Destiny is hanging on your character. If you will not allow God to expand your character, He cannot release your destiny. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So the comfort zone you're in right now is actually holding you back from your destiny if you're not willing to get out of it. Now, there'll be times where God will allow you to rest and recover, but there's, it's always a growing process. You're going to be pushed, and if you resist, you're saying, this is as far as I want to go. So don't do that. That's at your job, that's in the church. Anybody that's got authority over you, and there's not many kids in here, but kids with your parents, they have authority over you. And if you're saying, you know what, I'm going to rebel against them, you're rebelling against God. In fact, there's a specific command about that. You want to live a long life? Honor your mother and father. I'll just say that. So if you want to walk in authority, if you want to experience personal victory over your own demons, you've got to be under the authority of the church. Period. Period. Because it requires Jesus' authority in your life. You can't do it on your own. So quit trying. I tried for 12 and a half years. I, I, I don't know, maybe it was 12 and three quarters years that it would have done. Or maybe 13 years. Uh, if you want to try it, go right ahead. You know, maybe it was just over that hump. I was just, you know, three weeks away from delivering myself. I don't think it was going to happen. If you want to try it, go right ahead. If you want to waste 13 years, go, go for it. I, I wasted 12 and a half. I don't know how much more you want to waste. Get under the authority of the church. Don't let the enemy deceive you into believing being under authority means you're less of a person. That being under authority means you are not as good as somebody else. It does not mean that. That is a lie of the enemy, and you need to reject it in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? So I don't know where you are tonight. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what type of environment you're in. I don't know where you work or, or whatever. But I just want us to take a few minutes. And tonight, I want you to commit to the Lord that you will submit yourself to his authority in your life. And remember, his authority always comes through human beings. So whoever has authority in your life right now you need, to, you need to submit to them. You just do. It's just the way it is. You don't have to like it. <laughs> you just got to do it. So take a minute right now. I just want you to close your eyes and think. Who has authority in your life? Your boss? Maybe you're involved in, in some sort of ministry. 
Maybe you're a volunteer at some organization. Who has authority over you right now? And what's your response to their authority? Are you willingly submitting yourself to that authority? Or are you rebelling? And if, if there's any part of you that's rebelling, you need to confess that to the Lord right now. And you need to ask for his forgiveness. Because it's not them you're rebelling against, it's the Lord. And you're hindering your own advancement into your destiny. So, Father, in Jesus' name, tonight, Lord, we just want to humble ourselves before you. We want to place ourselves at the foot of the cross and willingly submit ourselves, Lord, to your authority. Lord, I pray for each and every person tonight, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would open their mind, open their heart, open their spirit. Lord, you would speak to them tonight. Lord, whatever it is that they need to correct, whatever it is they need, they need to do, whatever it is they need to keep doing that they're doing right, or if they just need encouragement to keep doing what they've been doing, even though it's hard, Lord, I pray that you would encourage them. Lord, even for those that you have placed under a person who is very, very difficult, Lord, Lord, I pray that you would just open their mind for them to realize, Lord, it's not about them, it's not about that person, it's about you. That you are at work in their life through that situation. And Lord, just like with Joseph, Lord, what was meant for evil, Lord, you will make it for good. And Lord, we're just so grateful for Jesus. Lord, we are so grateful that because of Jesus, we can be free. We can be free from all demonic activity. We can be free from everything that oppresses us. All through Jesus. So Lord, we thank you tonight, Lord, that you have made a way. And Lord, we willingly tonight submit to that process, to that way. And tonight, if you have not submitted yourself to the authority of Jesus in your life through salvation, that's the first step. That's the first step. Because without that submission, you're outside the spiritual realm. So if tonight you have not committed yourself to Jesus and you want to make that decision right now, would you raise your hand? Is there anybody in here? I see you. And I see you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray this prayer right now. I want you to pray and submit yourself to Jesus. And just say this, just, just through your own heart, just say, Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you defeated the enemy and that all authority is in your hands. And tonight, I want to submit my life to you and make you Lord of my life. Lord, I thank you tonight that you have done that. That there are people that are walking out tonight that are different than they walked in. So, Lord, I pray that you seal it 
And Lord, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand.